0: Hello again. Justin Spencer here. In the introduction to her retelling of Beowulf, H.E. Marshall explains that the story is very old. It comes from a time when stories were not mere entertainment. They had lessons embedded within them. Like Eleanor says in the Disney film Brave, legends are lessons. They ring with truths. In this episode of Beowulf, I think what we are meant to see is, first, that the act of facing monsters never ends. There are always more monsters to fight. And second, never get too complacent when you've defeated one monster, because another one will be there when you least expect it. Always be brave, though, and you can defeat the monsters when they come. Welcome to Part 3... Of H. E. Marshall's retelling of Beowulf. Chapter 5 How the Water Witch Warred with the Dane Folk. And now while the people came and went, Marvelling and praising the skill of him who had overcome the goblin, men and women hurried hither and thither making gay the hall. The carving and gem work was much broken and destroyed by the fearful combat which had taken place within. The roof alone was quite unhurt, but beautiful tapestries gleaming with gold and colours were hung upon the walls Silken banners and embroideries were spread upon the benches, until the whole hall glowed in splendor. Then came the king with all his knights and nobles to the great feast which was prepared. Never was there more splendid banquet. Art Hall from end to end was filled with friends, and laughter and rejoicing sounded through it. Then, when the feasting was over, Hrothgar gave to Beowulf rich presents. A splendid banner he gave him richly sewed with gold, a helmet and a coat of mail, a sword, the hilt of which was all twisted gold. Eight splendid horses, too, were led into the court about the hall. Their harness was all of gold. Upon one was a saddle gaily decorated and finely adorned with silver. It was the saddle upon which Hrothgar himself rode when he went forth to battle. All these the king gave to Beowulf, and much wealth besides, and to his companions also, the mighty heroes who were with their master, great treasure was given of swords and gold. Also, for the man whom Grendel had slain, Hrothgar ordered that much gold should be paid. Then, when the present giving was over, the minstrel took his harp and sang. He sang of love and battle, and of the mighty deeds of heroes. The singing ceased, and the noise of laughter and merriment burst forth once more. Around the board the cupbearers carried the wine and vessels wondrously wrought. Then came Queen Wealthiau forth once more, clad in splendid robes, wearing a golden crown upon her head, bearing in her hand a golden cup. To the king she went, where he sat with his sons and Beowulf beside him. Accept this cup, my beloved lord, she said. And be thou happy. Far and near now hast thou peace. Art Hall is cleansed of the evil one. Then to Beowulf she turned, bearing the cup to him with friendly words. At his feet she laid a rich dress with bracelets and a collar of fine gold. Take this collar, dear Beowulf, she said, and this mantle. Long mayest thou wear them and enjoy life. A deed hast thou done this night that shall be remembered for all time. Far as the seas circle the land shall it be told of thee. Take thou my thanks, and be thou a friend to my sons. Then the queen went again to her place and sat beside the king. Once more there was a song of laughter throughout the hall until the shadows of evening fell. Then the king and Beowulf arose and went forth to rest, each to his own chamber. But the Dane lords, as they had done so often before in days gone by, spread their beds and pillows upon the floor of the great hall. For now that the ogre was dead, they had no more fear. At the head of his bed each man placed his shield. Upon the bench near him stood his helmet his sword and spear and coat of mail. Then each man lay down to rest, secure and happy. But was not the terrible giant slain? No more was there need to watch and fear. So silence and darkness fell upon the hall, and all men sank to sleep. But out on the wide moorland, far away in the water dragon's lake, There was one who waked and mourned. Over the dead body of her son, Grendel's mother wept, desiring revenge. Very terrible was this water witch to look upon. Almost as fearful as her wicked son she was, and as the darkness fell upon the land, she crept forth across the moorland to heart all. On and on she crept, until she reached the door. Then in she rushed among the sleeping warriors, eager for slaughter. The fear and confusion was great. A wild cry rang through the hall, and each man sprang to his feet, seizing his sword and shield. Then the Water Witch, finding herself discovered, made haste to be gone no mind had she to face these swords and spears but ere she went she stretched forth her hand and seized a warrior and tightly holding him she carried him off to the moor and though her haste to be gone was great she found yet time to seize the hand of grendel and take it with her to her dark dwelling great was the sound of woe throughout the hall the warrior whom the Water Witch had carried off was a dear comrade to the king. He was the best beloved of all Hrothgar's thanes. Now when messengers came running in all haste to the old king with the direful news, he was filled with grief and anger. His joy at the death of Grendel was all dashed with grief for the loss of his friend,
1: Oh, that Beowulf had been there,
0: he moaned. Then all men's thoughts turned to Beowulf. Quickly they ran to fetch him, and he, waked thus suddenly out of his sleep, came with his comrades wonderingly to the king where he awaited them. The sun had not yet risen, and all the hall was dim and grey shadow. As Beowulf and his men marched through it, breaking the stillness with the clang of their weapons and armor. My lord king, said Beowulf as he reached the gift seat, hath the night not passed fair and pleasant with thee? Is some evil chance befallen that thy messengers seek me thus early? Hrothgar leaned his head upon his hand and sighed.
1: Ask not thou of happiness, he moaned, Sorrow is renewed to the Dane folk. My dearest comrade is dead, my friend and counsellor. Thou didst slay Grendel yesternight, but one hath come to avenge him, even his mother. She it is who hath carried off my dear warrior to slay and devour him in her dwelling. Scarce a mile hence lieth that grim lake Dank trees o'ershadow it, and no man knoweth its depth, for all shun the gloomy place. Yet if thou durst seek it out, rid me of this water witch, avenge there the death of my comrade, and with treasure and twisted gold will I reward thee.
0: And overcome with grief, Hrothgar ceased from speaking. "'Sorrow not, O king,' replied Beowulf. "'It is even better to avenge than to grieve for one's friend. "'To each of us must death come, "'and well for him then who hath done justice while he yet lived. "'Arise, O king, let us see quickly the track of Grendel's kin. "'I promise thee she shall not escape. "'Do thou but have patience this day, that only do I ask of thee.' Then up sprang the aged king.
1: "'May the gods be praised!' he cried. who have sent me such a man!'
0: Quickly he gave orders that horses should be brought, and mounting he rode forth with Beowulf. After them came a great train of warriors, as across the moor they went, following the track of the Water Witch to her home. By rocky gorges and lonely ways over the murky moor they went, following always the gory track of the foe. At length, they came to the place where gloomy trees hung over red and troubled waters. Upon the bank lay the head of that Dane warrior, Hrothgar's dear friend, and at the sight of it the knights were again filled with woe. Upon the dark water there swam strange sea-dragons, many kinds of snakes and savage worms. But when they saw the company of Danes upon the bank and heard the blast of the war-horn, they fled swimming away, diving into the depths. Ere yet they vanished, Beowulf drew his bow and shot one of them. Then quickly, with boar spears and hooks, the warriors drew him to land, and as he lay there dead they gazed in wonder upon the grisly monster. And now once more did Beowulf prepare himself for battle. He wore his trusty coat of steel, and upon his head was a wondrously wrought helmet, through which no sword might bite. Then, as Beowulf made ready, Hunferth came to him. In his hand he bare an ancient and famous sword named Hrunting, The edge of it was stained with poisonous twigs and hardened in gore. Never had it failed a man, who carrying it went forth to ways of terror and war. Many valiant deeds had it wrought. And now Hunferth, remembering how he had taunted Beowulf, and in sorrow at the memory, brought the famous sword to the goth hero. Hunferth himself durst not venture his life amid the waves to do the deed, and thus fame was lost to him. But he was now eager to aid Beowulf, and the Goth, who thought no longer of Hunferth's taunting words, received the sword right gladly. Then Beowulf turned to King Hrothgar. "'I am ready, O Prince,' he said, "'for my journey.' Let me but first call to thy mind what we have already spoken. If I for thy need lose my life, be thou a friend to my fellow thanes, and do thou also send the treasure which thou hadst given unto me to my king Higlac. Then by that gold may he know that I did fight manfully, and found in thee a noble rewarder. But to Hunferth I pray thee to give the curious war-sword which is among thy gifts, for he is a right noble warrior. With his fronting I shall work renown, or death shall take me. Then, waiting for no answer, Beowulf plunged into the dark lake and was lost to sight. Chapter 6 how Beowulf overcame the Water Witch. Down and down and down Beowulf dived. It seemed to him that he dived for a whole day's space ere he reached the bottom of that dark lake. But as soon as he touched the water, the grim and greedy Water Witch knew by the movement of the waves that a mortal man was coming... So she made ready to seize the Daring One in her horrid clutches. No sooner then did Beowulf near the bottom than he was grasped by long and skinny fingers. The fingers crushed him and tore at him, but so strong and trusty was his coat of mail that the Water Witch could in no wise hurt him. Then seeing that she could not so easily as she had hoped harm him, She dragged him into her dwelling, and so fast was Beowulf in her clutches that he could not unsheath his sword. As the Water Witch dragged Beowulf along, wondrous sea brutes followed them. Beasts they were with terrible tusks, shining scales, and sharp fins. With these they attacked the hero so fiercely that his armor was rent, yet he was unwounded. At last the Water Witch reached a great cave. Here, there was no water, and a fire burned with a strange, weird flame, lighting up the vast, dim place. Then, by the pale light of the goblin fire, Beowulf saw that it was no other than Grendel's mother, the Water Witch, who held him. And he knew that the time for battle had come. With a mighty effort, he wrenched himself free. Then, drawing the sword runting, which Hunferth had given him, he dealt with it many great blows. But all his strength was vain. Grunting, so famous in many battles, was useless against the Water Witch. No harm could the warrior do to her. But then in wrath Beowulf threw the shining blade upon the ground, He would trust no more in weapons, but with his hands alone should he fight. Seizing the Water Witch by the shoulders, he dragged her downwards, but she grappled with him fiercely. Then was there a fearful fight in that dim hall, deep under the water, far from all hope of help. Back and forth the two swayed, the strong warrior in armour and the direful Water Witch, So strong was she that at last she bore him to the ground and kneeled upon his breast. She drew her dagger. Now she would avenge her son, only son. The dagger shone and fell again and yet again, and then truly Beowulf's last hour had come, had his armor not been of such trusty steel. But through it neither point nor edge of dagger might pierce, the blows of the water which were all in vain, and again Beowulf sprang to his feet. And now, among the many weapons with which the walls were hung, Beowulf saw a huge sword. It seemed the work of giants. Its edge was keen and bright, the hilt of glittering gold. Quickly Beowulf grasped the mighty weapon, And now fighting for his very life, he swung it fiercely and smote with fury. Down upon the floor sank the Water Witch, and from the red-dyed blade a sudden flame shone out, and all the cave was lighted up. Curiously, Beowulf gazed around him. Dead at his feet lay the Water Witch, and hard by on a couch lay the body of Grendel. Then Beowulf was minded to bear away with him some prize, so once more swinging the great sword, he smote off the ogre's head. Meanwhile, far above beyond the water waves, Hrothgar and his men and all Beowulf's comrades sat waiting and watching. And now as Beowulf smote off Grendel's head, they saw the waves all dyed with blood. Then the old men shook their heads and spoke together. They talked sadly of the brave champion who had gone alone beneath that awful water. For now that they saw the waves red-dyed, they had no longer hope that he would ever return. Nay, these red and turgid waters seemed to prove to them that the Water Witch had overcome Beowulf and torn him in pieces. So as the hours passed and Beowulf came no more, Hrothgar arose, and he and all his warriors sadly wended their way homeward. Never more did they hope to see the hero. But Beowulf's companions would not go. Sad at heart, they sat by the lake's edge gazing into the water, wishing, but hardly hoping, that they might see their dear lord again. And now, far beneath the dark waves, a strange thing happened. As Beowulf struck off the head of Grendel, a great sword began to melt away. More quickly than ice, when the thaw is come, melted the shining steel, until there was nothing left but the golden hilt which Beowulf held in his hand. Such was the poison of the ogre's blood. Beowulf gazed in wonder at the miracle, then he made haste to be gone. All round him lay great treasure, gold and gems gleaming in pale firelight. Yet of all of it, Beowulf took nothing save the hilt of the sword wherewith he had slain the Water Witch. Unferth's sword grunting, he once more hung at his side. Then, with the grisly head of Grendel in his hand... He dived up through the waves, and as he swam through it, all the water was made pure and clear again, for the power of the grim ogre was over forever. Long time Beowulf swam upwards, but at last he reached the surface and sprang to land. Then round him, greatly rejoicing, crowded his thanes. Quickly they loosed his helmet and coat of mail, and joyed to find that he had suffered no hurt. Then right merrily they turned back to Hart Hall, and with them they carried the hideous head of Grendel, which was so huge and heavy that it had need of four of them to bear it. Yet gladly they bore it, rejoicing as they went at the return of their master. Thank you, again, for continuing to join us for each episode of Storylight. And if you're new to us, we send you the warmest welcome. Whether you're a new listener or an old friend, we at Storylight would be very grateful if you would subscribe to the podcast and give it a nice rating and review on whatever platform you listen. More than that, though... We would love for more people to be able to enjoy these stories. So please, tell a friend about us. You are my joy. You are my happy thoughts. We'll see you next time.